I want to give you four important things about why Paul gives us the truth. Because, listen, without the truth, you could never wear the helmet of salvation. You couldn't. The truth is what buckles it all together. See, I got my belt on right here. Tucks my pants in. Tucks my shirt into my pants. Keeps everything tight. I put that buckle right in the middle of the seam. You know why? It just looks better that way. If it's crooked, it's kind of off-kilter. It's not, it doesn't work right. And the belt completes the outfit. It puts it and ties it all together. You understand that you can't have, if you don't have the belt of truth that girds up your waist, how is the righteousness going to tie in? How is the helmet of salvation going to tie in? The belt is a completion. It's the very beginning. That's why Paul doesn't begin with the helmet of salvation. He begins with the belt of truth. Because without truth, you can't be saved. Without truth, you can't have righteousness. Without truth, you can't have faith. Without truth, you can't have the gospel of peace. Without truth, you can't operate with the sword of the spirit. Without truth, you cannot have the shield of faith. Truth is the fundamental doctrine. And without the truth, you'll never be protected from false doctrine. False doctrine is absolutely one of the worst things in our day. I, how, many, how many have ever heard the question, why are there so many different beliefs out there? There are false doctrines in the world today that you and I should, we need to know the truth so we can be protected from those false doctrines. If we don't know it, we can't defend it. If we don't, if we don't understand it, we can't stand upon it. We have to know it. And false doctrines today are all over the place. There are people out there that don't believe in Jesus. There are people out there that believe Jesus is a good way, but there's a lot of other good ways to get to heaven. There are people out there that believe it was Jesus and another guy. It was not, and there are other people out there that believe Jesus was not really the Son of God. He became the Son of God. Now, how do you defend that? How do you defend who he is? You've got to know the truth. To defend yourself against false doctrine. If you don't know it, you'll never be able to defend yourself. A false foundation is a deadly foundation. I want you to think about this. Jesus said this. He said, when the Pharisees go and they make a new disciple, when they go out and they convert someone to be a Pharisee, he said, you make them a more a twofold child of hell than yourselves. Think about that. That don't sound like Jesus, the loving Jesus, right? He said, when you make a disciple, Pharisees, you make them more a twofold child of hell than yourselves. Why is he saying that? Because of the false doctrine that the Pharisees are standing on. And they're ignoring the truth of God's word. When, other, when, when people don't stand on the truth, God, God sees it that they're made as a twofold more child of hell than themselves. How important is it for you and I that we believe right? How important is it that we know the truth, that we stand on the truth, that we do not move from the truth? How important is it for you, mothers and fathers, that you represent the truth in your home? How more important is it for you that in this church house that we stand and represent the truth of God? It's crucial that we stand on the truth. False doctrines are formed because people don't know. People don't know. They don't know what's right from wrong, and so they don't know what to do. They don't know where to stand. They don't know right from wrong, and that's why truth is crucial. We will never know right from wrong if we don't know the truth. And what is the truth I'm talking about that we need to know? Genesis to Revelation. Did not the Bible teach 
God himself, God is not an advocate for ignorance. God does not promote ignorance. Paul said to Timothy, study to show thyself approved. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing it. But God said, my people perish because of a lack of understanding. Think about it. How crucial is the truth for you and I to defend against false doctrines? Not only is false doctrines, not only does truth protect us from false doctrines, but truth brings stability to our faith. Oh, Christian, if we live by what we feel and like and want, we will never be able to fully come to truth. How many know in your life emotions are up and down all the time? Now, let me tell you how it is in my house on Sunday morning. Feelings are at an all-time low. And the bed and the comfort of the bed is at an all-time high. When I wake up, I'm, I'm an early morning riser. I love mornings. I think God created them, and I love them. I do not want to miss them. I don't want to sleep through them. I want to wake up and enjoy them. But that means at nighttime, I'm not too keen on night. I kind of like to go to sleep. Matter of fact, my head hits the pillow, I'm gone. But in the mornings at my house, I've got, I got three women, and I got one boy. And guess what they don't like? Mornings. And you should see me try to wake them up. All right, everybody, get out of bed. Come on, let's go. We got to get ready for church. Is it that time already? What I'm trying to tell you is, is that if we lived by what we feel, one moment we're excited, the next moment we're down. One moment we're on fire, the next moment we're down. One moment we're zealous, the next moment we're down. And how does that happen? It's because we've not allowed truth to make us stable. Make us stable. When we get truth in our life, it'll, it'll break through all that, un, all that instability in your life. Because there are going to be times in your life when you're not on a mountaintop, you're in a valley. There are going to be times when you don't feel like going to church. Come on now, don't look at me like, amen. There are going to be times where you don't feel like praising God. And I can tell you there are times I look across the audience and can tell there are some of those folks in the church. I can tell. You can tell. We can feel it when the unity isn't there in worship. Ain't that right, Sister Amy? Ain't that right? I mean, it's obvious in the house of God when people are worshiping and they're into it. They're excited. They're vibrant. They want it. And they're praising God. And the unity creates a, a great atmosphere of praise in the house. And the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, he inhabits the praises of his people. And God comes down. But when they're standing there like this. And not engaged, not even mentally engaged, not their heart isn't engaged. The, the, the truth is what makes us stable. Sometimes you may not feel like praising him, but when you praise him anyway because of who he is and what he's done and how good he's been in your life, then at that moment you have broke through what you feel and you've begun to operate on another level because it's not about what you feel, it's about the truth. Amen. Christian, you're going to have moments where the enemy fills your minds with doubts and fears. And he's going to fill your, and if you don't know what God says, you're going to be filled with fear and doubt. You need to know God's word. 
I can't tell you how many Christians I have to encourage past depression because they feel like the God that loves them doesn't love them. The God that has power and grace for them, they, don't, they, they, they feel like that God forsakes them and doesn't want anything to do with them. And they've been so bad that God would never ever accept them again or never forgive them again. That's not scripturally true. When I take the fear and the doubt that the enemy gives me and I line it up to the word of God, it never measures up. I know this, God is for me and not against me. I know that God so loved the world, I'm that world he loved. Come on now. Are you that world he loved? Oh, yes. Oh, then he tells you, Christian, he'll tell you, he'll say, he'll say, look what you've done. You're horrible. You've failed God. You've made so many mistakes. You're not a good Christian. He'll tell you all that junk. But you need to take that truth, that lie from the devil, and compare it to the truth that says, in that while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. He already knew you were broke down when he died for you. He knew that you weren't a perfect person. He knew you had faults and failures. But still he loved you aside from that. So you need to learn that to overcome the enemy's lies, you need to know the truth. You need to know the truth. Truth protects from false doctrine. Truth brings stability to our faith. Truth protects us from subtle nature, the subtle nature of imposters. There are such things as wolves in sheep's clothing. There are imposters who act like they serve God and don't serve God. There are people who will willfully and actually plan out an attack on the church. You don't think it's true, but I'm a pastor. I've seen it. I had a man come to the church, oh, man, years ago now. And he came and he said, I'm a preacher. I said, well, praise the Lord, glad you're here. Let the Lord bless you, you know, and, and uh, be a part, you know. So he, he became a part of the congregation. It wasn't long after he was a part of the congregation, he started talking bad. He started belittling me and the pastoral staff. He started attacking my, even my own personal family. He started attacking, and he didn't know that I got wind of all that, but I did. I knew what he was doing. And I kind of, I had to let it go because he had people in the congregation he was connected to. And, and you know what he ended up trying to do? He said, you know what, I'm going to go start a church. And he was going to go start a church with people from our church. That's not how you do this. If you're going to start a church, go start one and do it yourself. Don't take people that God has placed under my care and do that. So I had to pull him into the office and sit down with a person he was trying to get to leave the church and tell the person that was getting ready to leave the church with him, God saved you here. He put you under my care as your pastor. I feel a responsibility to develop you and to train you and to teach you the word of God. God doesn't want you to leave right now. He wants you to stay put so you can grow. Well, that guy, he still left and started a church. He took people with him and went on his way. That church, about a year later, shut down, and he came back. Guess what he did when he came back? He started talking bad all over again. He left because he didn't like us, and then he came back, I guess, because he didn't like us. And he kept belittling and, and talking evil and causing grief and strife in the church. And I cannot tell you how many times as a pastor I had my gun to shoot the wolf. I had him in my sights, but you know what happens when you pull up a tear? 
wheat comes with it. You disturb the wheat. And so I had to be careful because I love the people that he was around causing grief and strife in their hearts and in their lives. Eventually he would leave. And you know what he did? Let me tell you what he did. I'll tell him, I'm going to expose the evil of his heart. I'll tell you what he did. He called me leaving the state and he wanted to make sure I knew that he got certain people to leave our church. He said, I got them to leave. That's what he told me. I could not believe the evil there. That's an imposter. That's ungodly. That's not righteousness or holiness or sanctification. That's not right at all. That's backbiting. That's strife. That's variance. Those are all the fruits of the flesh. Those are all the things that Paul said will not inherit the kingdom of God. I'm telling you, Christian, we need to know the truth so that we can protect ourselves from people who don't really serve God. From those who belittle and attack and cause grief and strife. you got to learn to turn some folks off. Have you ever had your ears plugged, but you acted like you were listening? You stood there and you acted like you were listening, but you weren't listening? Because the enemy wants to sow seeds of doubt and fear in your life, and he'll use other people to do it. If he can't speak to you and cause you to come down, he will speak to you through other people to cause you to come down. And so, Christian, the truth protects us from the imposters because if you know the truth, you will see the actions of someone who isn't doing right. You will know what is righteousness and what is unrighteousness. You will know right from wrong, and you'll be able to discern the difference between right and wrong. And if a person teaches you wrong, you will push it away. You'll push it away. All right, I, I, my last point, and then I'm done, and you can get out of here, all right? We need to follow those who embrace the truth and are not afraid to share it. Beloved, the truth is ugly sometimes. The truth can be really, really strong. Can, can, it will say things that will hurt feelings it's not always easy to say the truth. You want to know the greatest pressure that I face as a pastor? The greatest pressure that I face as a pastor is to make sure I tell you the truth and still help, still get you to a place of loving me even after I tell it to you. I cannot tell you how many times in counseling I've sat down with people and God gave me something to say that was rough. And I wanted to share it with them. And I, I, I literally will look at him and say, look, I want to share this with you. But you have to love me after I say it. What I'm doing is I'm literally asking for permission to possibly offend them. To touch an area that's difficult. To speak into their life something that's going to lift them up out of immaturity and put them in a mature place with Christ. To speak something firm into their life to change their hearts, to change their life. And, and, and I need permission to do that. 99.9% of the time, I'm successful. Most people will say, yes, I've only had one person tell me, I don't know. And I told that one person that said, I don't know, that I said, well, then I can't tell you. Because you need to be in a place that you can receive it. Because if you're not in that place, then you're not at the place that you need to be right now for me to share it with you. There are times in our life where we need to hear the truth, and the truth isn't always easy to be said. And we have to hear the truth, hear it, and feel it, and experience it, walk in it, 
desire it. Christian, I long for a day when everyone comes to our church and they say, step on my toes, please. Give it to me straight and rough. I mean, just be as mean as a junkyard dog. I like that. But the truth is, is across this congregation, there are people in different places in their life, people with different emotional ways that they cannot accept it hard or strong. They need it soft and delicate. And so the hard balance for a minister is to tell you the truth, embrace it, and share it with, with, without offending. But sometimes, my dear friend, it's impossible because the truth can be offensive. Let me show you some scripture here that Paul talks about in Ephesians 4. Paul said this, and he, and he himself gave some, of the, uh, some to be apostles. This is for the church. Some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. You see what they're for in verse 12? For the equipping of the, go back sis, I'm sorry. For the equipping of the saints, for the ministry, uh, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's what God has placed ministers in, in, behind pulpits in your lives. That's what they're for. They're to, they're to equip you. They're to, they're to do the work of the ministry. They're to edify the body of Christ. Look at next verse, verse 13. Till all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man. Look at, that's what, that's what God requires of me as a minister, to bring you to a place of completion. That word perfect means completion. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Do you hear? That's, that's what God has equipped ministers to do. We are supposed to tell you the truth whether you like it or not. Whether you want it or not. Because the only way I can equip you is as if I give you truth. The only way I can, I can develop you and complete in you the work that God has started in you is to give you the truth. It's the truth that makes it all work. It's the truth. And without the truth, without the truth, it's all lies. Let God be true. Every man a liar. Amy, would you come to the pianos, please, sis? Listen, Christian, we need the truth. And Paul said, having done all to stand, stand therefore with your waist girded with truth. Your waist girded with truth. Remember, the truth of God ties everything together. The truth of God opens your eyes to salvation. The truth of God enlightens your eyes to the sword, the word of God. The truth of God is what we need. And let me remind you, Christian, before we change the whole order of this service, that there's an absolute truth. His name is Jesus. There's no other way. I like what Peter said. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus said it this way, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. He's the truth. I'm not walking in what I feel and what I like and what I want. I'm not walking in the philosophies of the world. I'm not walking as the world tells me to. I'm not living my life based upon a psychologist who tells me what it is that I need. It's not my mama's fault. It's not my daddy's fault. It's what I need. And he's my truth. 
He's the one who supports me. He's the one who equips me. He's the one that I need. And so Christian, I, my prayer is, is that you will come to this absolute truth that nothing else matters in life except Jesus Christ. That everything else flows in through him, flows out through him. That your life becomes lost in the truth of Jesus Christ. He's not just a man. He's the Messiah. His father was not of this world. His adoptive father was named Joseph. He lived 30 years on this earth as a carpenter with his, own, with, his, with his adopted father. But his father wasn't of this place. At 12 years old, he recognized who his father was because this family forgot him. And he was found in the temple when they came back. And he told his family, didn't you know I would be about my father's business? He knew he had another father. That was at the age of 12. When he was 30, he became, he became the man God called him to be. And he stepped into the water and was baptized as an example for you and I. By John the Baptist who said, Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. The man whose shoes I'm not even worthy to unlatch. I baptize you with water, but he shall baptize you with the fire. And the, the fire and the Holy Ghost. That's the truth. That's the truth. The truth is, is that thousands of people were healed by him. Many resurrected from the dead. The, John the Beloved said that if they wrote everything that Jesus did, the books could not contain it. On one occasion, the streets would line up with people laying in bed. And as Jesus walked by, they just longed that they could touch him. Because if they could touch him, they were made whole. And that happened in the city of Gennesaret. Where all these people in the streets were, were filling the streets. And everyone that touched his garment was made whole. Time and time again, the truth was revealed. Jesus said it. Jesus proclaimed it. He even said of himself who he was to Pilate. Pilate said, don't you know I have the power to kill you? And he said, you don't have the power. You don't have the power. I willingly lay it down. Jesus said, if my kingdom was of this world, then my servants would fight for me. Because my kingdom isn't here. It's up there. Now listen. I'm going to end with this. The thief on the cross. Jesus was on the cross giving his life as a substitutionary death for you and I. He was dying so that you can have life. He took your place. But on the cross, there were two, uh, there were two thieves next to him. Jesus took the place of one thief by the name of Barabbas. Remember the story? They cried out, give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. Barabbas was a murderer and a thief. And on the cross, one of the men said, if you're really the Savior, save yourself and us. All he wanted to do was get off the cross. But the other thief, the other thief looked over at, at this thief and said, why are you railing against him? He has done nothing wrong. Get this, the thief on the cross recognized the purity of Jesus Christ. He looked at Jesus and he said, Jesus, when you go into your kingdom, recognize that the thief on the cross knew that his kingdom wasn't here. This isn't a thief. We don't know his name, we just know he's a thief. 
More than likely, he was working with Barabbas and those three thieves were caught out of all the thieves because thieves traveled in packs in those days. It wasn't one or two thieves sneaking into a house. They had an entourage of people and they would attack caravans traveling from one city to the next city so that they could kill everybody and take all the plunder. So they weren't just thieves who stole. They were murderers and thieves and left whole families out in the desert to rot. But this thief said, when you go into your kingdom, remember me. Jesus said this. Jesus said this. Listen, Jesus said this. He said, today, you will be with me in paradise. Now, get, wait, 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 I'm not done. Don't clap, don't shout yet. What is the truth? What is the truth? He was hanging on the cross in the middle. That's the truth. The thieves on the cross deserved to die and spend an eternity in hell. But when the truth spoke out, it changed the course of a man's destiny. Do you realize that the Word of God will change the course of your destiny? were once lost, but now you are found. Jesus is that truth. The truth of the law said that this thief deserved to die, but the truth of grace said, today you'll be with me in paradise. That's truth. My dear Christian, do you still love the man in the middle? Do you know that after Jesus died, he took his last breath. Even the Roman satyrian sitting, standing there said, surely this is the Son of God. They buried him in a borrowed tomb. You know, you would want to have a proper burial, you know. You want to have all your things planned out. You want to know where you're going to be buried and where you're going to, your body's going to be. And you kind of want to have all that kind of figured out. But Jesus, they, it wasn't a planned, it wasn't a planned deal. Jesus wasn't sick and dying. He was forced to die. And so they had to put him in a borrowed tomb. And that's the best place to put him because he didn't need it too long. Three days later. The truth of God revealed himself in a power beyond this world. And the stone was rolled away from the door. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection. I am the life. And Jesus arose from the grave. Now get this. Over 500 people in Acts chapter 1 saw him ascend into the clouds before the Holy Ghost came 500 people every disciple every disciple save John the beloved was killed and martyred for this truth they died for it would you die for a lie? no but they gave their life for it they gave their life for it Peter was crucified upside down. Thomas was killed. Matthew was killed. Every one of them killed. 
They tried to kill John the Beloved by boiling him and setting him on fire. But, but he wouldn't boil and they, would, he would, they would, couldn't tar and feather him. So he wouldn't die. So they exiled him to the Isle of Patmos. And that's where we got the book of Revelation. All of that, all of that is because God's word is true. I don't have time to go into how I can prove it to you because I can prove it with archaeology. I can prove it with science. I can prove it with with all the things and the discoveries that we have found throughout history and time that validate what we have from Genesis to Revelation. Do you realize the Bible you're reading today has been tested and proven time and time and time again because of the truth? 